0: There's a bear over there. There's a bear over there. There's a bear over there. Good morning, and welcome to episode 305 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus. I'm Sam Miller with Ben Lindbergh. And Ben, you'll never guess what I saw today.
1: Uh, You saw a wildcat in a tree.
0: I saw three bears. I've never seen a bear in my entire life. Like, I've known that there are bears in the area, but I've never once seen a bear. Hmm. And today, I ran into three bears while I was hiking.
1: I've seen bears. So did they just leave you alone? You just went your separate ways?
0: They didn't see me. I happened to... I saw them and (laughs) immediately grabbed my family, sprinted into a cabin. We were very near the cabin. They were, like, kind of, like, right at the base of the trail. And we sort of ran into the cabin freaked out thinking that they, they were probably going to come inside the house and kill us um, and then we watched them as they hung around for about 15 minutes, like 50 feet away from us huh. and uh, it was pretty amazing. They were black bears it was a mom and two cubs uh, they were big and uh, then I went on the internet and found out that there's not much danger from black bears So, uh,
1: Well I saw Jeff at Amador today which is not much different from seeing a bear. How big was he? He's 6'4", and he's listed, at least on the roster that I had, as 215, which is, I think, probably the most misleading figure I've ever seen on a, on a roster. And, <laughs> and I've seen some pretty misleading ones, but Amador being 215 is, gosh, I want to say that has got to be at least 60 pounds light. And maybe maybe more. Uh, he is enormous. He I is. wonder
0: why they why do they list. I mean, if 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 it's not going to be if it's not going to be reliable, why do they do it? Like, who's clamoring for that in the general population?
1: <laughs> I, I think they're like
0: why can why is it that I can look up Mickey Lolich's height and weight? <laughs> like, how is that? I mean, if it's reliable, then that's useful. But Mickey Lolich is listed. On Baseball Reference at six foot one seventy, mm-hmm. and Mickey Lolich is you know fair pretty 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 widely reputed to be the you know the fattest guy of his generation, mm-hmm. and it just it's not like I would have ever thought to go look up Mickey Lolich's height and weight except that you know I know it's going to be there so I so I see it, um, but it does me no good if it's not reliable, and it really does me no good if it is reliable. So why do we why just it does it doesn't feel like that's the best use of our could, of our nation's uh, internet column
1: inches it could do some good if it were reliable if it were yeah
0: if it were reliable but it's, it's
1: not it's not no every now and then like i've i've run across a few teams down here with rosters where the the weight numbers are very precise like they're not multiples of 5 or 10 or they're just they're like you know 211 213 and mm. so i was inclined to believe them and think maybe they just actually weighed in this this fall or something, and they're up to date and accurate. Um, but yeah, I, and I, I don't know. I can understand. I wonder where, how they come up with these numbers. How? What's the origin of 215 for Amador? Like, was that his weight when he Way was?
0: 29.
1: Yeah, when he was, I don't know, 16 on his first high school baseball team or something. Maybe he weighed 215, uh, and it just never changed. And I could get it. I mean, I understand why. Uh, a, you know, a player who's 5'9 wants to be listed at 5'10 Just like a 5'9 person will sometimes describe himself as 5'10 Or I could see if Amador wanted to take off 10 or 20 pounds And maybe maybe people would be persuaded by that But uh, no one is persuaded by 2'15 that just, that just makes you seem even, even heavier Because it's so outrageous So uh, he is the biggest baseball player I've ever seen and he got a ground ball at first base, and it it just it went through his legs, and he didn't really even move towards it or make any effort to field it. it <laughs> he's just too big to bend down, really. So he's just standing there for catching throws from other infielders, I guess. But when it comes to bending down or, or making any motion toward a ground ball, that's kind of out of the question. Uh, so, so that was fun to watch.
0: I heard a baseball broadcaster this week describe Prince Fielder as a good fielding first baseman. Hmm. Uh.
1: uh for his yeah, size, I said, suppose.
0: They said he's not a he's not he's not the quickest guy, but he makes good decisions. He's a good first baseman.
1: Hmm. Well, that seems like a stretch, but
0: he's the worst first baseman in history, according to Baseball Reference. Uh. Defensively.
1: Well, he's much better than Amador. Uh. So. Do you have anything to say about the playoffs? I guess you have Yeah, I do. Okay. But
0: first I would just... I, I mean, I know that there are a handful of people who listen to this who actually know where the height and weight <laughs> figures come from and why they're listed and, uh, you know, uh, what what use they're supposed to be. So if anybody has any inside information, uh, we probably I would appreciate an email. Um, so I have a I have something to admit. Mm. Um, about I don't know two months or so ago, I thought about writing a piece about how Justin Verlander is is basically Tim Lincecum from like two and a half years ago, mm-hmm. and that what we were seeing was um, the sort of unrecognized but inevitable slope into mediocrity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I thought about writing it, and then I I kept looking into it and I couldn't really make it work. I couldn't find the evidence or, you know, the compelling things to say about it. And so I didn't write that. And so I guess you could say that the system worked, right? There was, <laughs> there was nothing to back up that proposition. And so the piece was not written, even though it would have been provocative. And well,
1: when you say there was nothing to, to back it up, do you mean, what did you look at that suggested that he was not in decline? Because his results were, clearly not up to his his prior standards.
0: Yeah, no, I have no idea. I have no idea what I looked at. But <laughs> mm-hmm. it wasn't that I was saying that he had gone he had, he was pitching worse than he had the year before, but rather that like Tim Lincegum, there was an inevitability to his becoming bad quickly. Mm-hmm. That, and, and again, like I like I said, I mean uh, uh, that was a, it was an idea I had. I looked into it. It didn't work out. I moved on. But in my head I still kind of thought it to be true which Mm -hmm. I guess is the system not working. Mm -hmm. And uh, so uh, with great embarrassment, I admit to this now (laughs) and uh, uh, repent. I repent.
1: Well, I was, I mean, I was thinking that didn't we, didn't we talk about uh, at some point we talked about the extension and how in retrospect, it already wasn't looking so great, I think. So that was kind of, (laughs) that was kind of the same thing.
0: I think uh, I don't know. Fastball velocity is probably one of those things that were you and I aren't really qualified to know what is significant. You know, like we, well, you and I don't know how to.
1: I've been to scout to, school. I don't know about you.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but like we don't know why guys get faster all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Like I don't have any idea why Justin Verlander's fastball velocity came back. Mm-hmm. Um, I I when I see a guy lose velocity, I think the safe bet is that it's not coming back, and so I always assume it's not coming back. And Mm -hmm. that's a very, very substantial piece of evidence that he's not going to be as good a pitcher Mm -hmm. anymore. And so it's like this mysterious resurgence is actually not that mysterious. He throws harder (laughs) than he did (laughs) like two months ago. Like that's pretty much the entire thing.
1: Maybe his whole season was just kind of a larger version of his individual starts where he conserves energy in the middle of the start and then he throws 99 in the eighth inning
0: there was a lot of talk about uh, during this postseason about how he has become a, a pitcher
1: yeah a, I just heard that <laughs> about but half an hour it, ago it's
0: kind of it's weird to cite that during his worst season
1: mm-hmm.
0: like like it's not as though he's gotten progressively better like if he had become a like if you said that about maybe like I don't know Adam Wainwright or something then you'd be making a point but with Justin Verlander you're going like you're you're giving the explanation for his his worst season but not like that's not the spirit that it's given in
1: yes he should have remained a thrower
0: he should have throwing was working <laughs>
1: yeah uh okay and... so anyway
0: now i think Justin Verlander like okay so Verlander uh or Scherzer
1: <laughs> um I don't want to flip flop after like a week, uh, but I kind of feel like doing that. He really, he really looked, really looked good tonight. I only saw the last uh, two or maybe three innings of his outing, but uh, he looked like, like vintage Orlander which is pretty good. So I don't know. Not that Scherzer looked bad, but um, I, I guess. I guess I'd go with Verlander, and someone in the Facebook group mentioned that we probably snubbed Adam Wainwright in our discussion did. of that.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's probably right.
1: So Sorry about that.
0: I'm not sure why we did. <laughs> no. Uh, well, I think I know why we did. I think I actually had League thought Adventure. of it. No, I think I had actually thought of Adam Wainwright in, in like the hour before the show, and I thought, well, I can't bring him up because that will just end the conversation. So <laughs> I was definitely avoiding him.
1: Uh-huh. Um,
0: okay. But now it's Verlander, right? Now it goes Kershaw and then Verlander, right? I mean, you you are willing to flip flop. You it two starts.
1: (laughs) Yeah, having having just watched that, yeah, I think that's enough.
0: I mean, Um, pitchers aren't hitters. We've talked about this. Yes, I don't know if two starts is enough.
1: Probably not. But
0: I mean, it means a lot more to see a pitcher do that for two starts than, or I I guess I mean it's been since September, so it's been like nine starts or eight starts.
1: Yeah.
0: Eight or nine starts for a pitcher might be. I'm not entirely sure that eight or nine starts for a pitcher isn't... If you're looking at the right stats, I'm not entirely sure that it's not the most predictive thing for the next eight or nine starts.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's that's our playoff talk, I guess. One more thing. Mm.
0: One more thing. Okay. So uh, thinking, about, thinking about how... Uh, we talked a couple days ago about uh, my idea that your ace should start game two and mm-hmm. game five. So that your number two starter can start game one and then come back on nearly full rest for relief in game four, mm-hmm. and you can maximize that. So then I started thinking about the Tigers, and I think you could do this. You have game uh, game one is your number two starter. So pick a rotation. We'll just we'll say the rotation is just for simplicity. We'll say the ro- the rotation is Verlander number one, Scherzer two, Sanchez three, Fister four. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you have Scherzer start game one, and then uh, Sanchez work in relief. Mm-hmm. And then you have Verlander start game two and Sister work in relief. Mm-hmm. And then you have Sanchez start game three and Scherzer... No, nobody works in relief. I think that game, Sanchez is all alone. Okay. And then you have Sister start game four and Scherzer works in relief. And then you have Verlander start game five. And then... In that situation, you don't have any starter pitching in relief with fewer than two days in between a start. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I think it's three days. Is it? One? No, it's two days. Yeah. And if I don't know if that works, but I feel like it could work if you get you one or two innings out of those starters. I feel like they could have gone into this playoffs with eight pitchers. Those four starters, Benoit, Smiley, and then you know random guys just in case uh
1: huh um yeah that would that'd be a pretty high percentage of your innings accounted for by by your best pitchers which is a good thing so, right, that, now I'm done okay did you I guess you didn't see Miguel Cabrera's home run
0: uh did I see Miguel Cabrera's home run no
1: oh well he hit one
0: against Sonny Gray
1: uh yes not that that okay. invalidates anything that we were talking about the other day because uh, what
0: was it like tell me about it
1: it didn't go as far as I thought it would off the bat he pulled it and it was uh, not not over the fence by a whole lot it wasn't one of, wasn't one of his his bigger blasts but um, and it looked like it kind of I don't know it didn't look like his smoothest swing either just kind of muscled it over the fence um, what
0: was the pitch Uh,
1: I think it was an inside fastball. It was definitely inside. I'd have to check. Um, so, anyway.
0: That's interesting, because they don't, they've been, they've been staying away.
1: Yeah, uh, one of the broadcasters, when I tuned in, I wasn't able to watch at that point, but I saw it later, mentioned the fact that it, it was like the first pitch they had thrown him inside, and he... He made them regret that. Uh, Okay, so we have some listener emails to talk about in part two of our listener email show for this week. Um, This one is is Kershaw-related, sort of. Uh, John from Montreal asks, my question is about the value of innings pitched. What would you prefer, Clayton Kershaw's season this year or A, a pitcher with the same war for the year, but who somehow pitched three times the innings as Kershaw, or B, a pitcher with the same WAR, but with only of the uh, only a third of the innings Kershaw pitched. I understand nobody without regenerating limbs is going to throw 600 innings, but still. So, a guy who, yeah, guy who pitches a third of the innings but is three times better in those innings, or a guy who pitches three times as many innings but is a third as as efficient or productive in those innings?
0: So when I was thinking about how to use the Tigers pitchers efficiently as starters slash relievers and so that you would only have to carry, you know, eight pitchers on the staff, Mm -hmm. one of the things that made this less exciting was like, I was fantasizing about whether you could do it with six and then you could use your entire roster for position players. Mm -hmm. But then I I realized, well, there's just not that many good position players. Like once you, Get Pat. I mean, as it is, I think they had Ernan Perez on mm-hmm. their bench, which is like a completely useless use of the you know uh, piece on the bench. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think they used him. I think last year in the postseason they used like 21 players mm-hmm. out of 25. And I mean the the 600 innings thing seems really cool because then you're like, oh, you don't have to carry two extra pitchers. But it's not like there's just a billion good position players out there and you would carry them mm-hmm. except you don't have room on the roster. Like to some degree that's true. Like to some degree it probably would be nice to be able to have like a extra you know, an extra bench guy to you know have a put to an advantage in late innings or something like that. But like there just aren't that many good players in the world. But I mean this question is basically asking I
1: mean, maybe whether there you could think- be maybe if you if you were able to plan for having those roster spots, right? I mean, in the in the playoffs you don't uh, you don't automatically have five good position players to load onto the roster cuz you haven't had them all season and it's not like they're just sitting in AAA all year. But if you if you had this guy who pitched 600 innings and you knew you could count on him for for that amount of innings, then you could you could plan on that over the offseason. You could put together a really really deep bench
0: possibly. Yeah, I have to think about that. I'll take your word for it.
1: Yeah, so I... I don't know, I think... So if you have this guy going 600 innings, at the very least, you would have... You could cut out... A, I, mean, I feel
0: like this would be easier if we did 400 innings, because it's <laughs> slightly more realistic.
1: Okay. Um, all right, so if you do that, then the extra, you know, 170 innings or whatever it is that you're saving... Would basically just come out of the back of your bullpen, right? So you'd you'd give those innings to uh, you just take those innings away from your worst relievers, ideally. I guess you couldn't. Well, not really. I mean, if
0: you're pitching, if you're actually pitching 400 innings, you're starting, you know, you're you're starting 50 games.
1: Mm, and then you put you put a starter in the bullpen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, then you'd have to. Presumably, it wouldn't work. I mean, realistically, as realistically as this question is going to be, realistically, it wouldn't work because that guy, in order to get 50 starts, he would have to be on something like three-slash-four days of rest, mm-hmm. you know, three-slash-four-man rotation, and then the, I guess the rest of the staff would have to be that, unless you're using his frequency to give everybody else extra days off, which might actually be useful. That, might, in theory, might be a good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I mean, isn't the question basically coming down to whether you think replacement level is um, accurate Mm. or uh, understates Mm
1: -hmm. the difficulty
0: of finding replacement players or overstates the difficulty of finding replacement players? I mean, at its heart, that's what this question is, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, sort of.
0: So what do you think?
1: Mm. (sighs) Wasn't there an article by... Colin a while back about how um, I think the impact of of starters who go deep into games is not something that's captured by by war or maybe that was when he was redesigning warp and was trying to build that into the stat um, because of the the effect of, of minimizing stress on relievers or minimizing the innings that have to be pitched by by Bad relievers. There was something to that, I think, where there was some extra bonus effect to having starters who pitch a lot of innings that wasn't necessarily reflected in their wins above replacement. Um,
0: yeah, I think it's. I think it's also Russell's position that that is under underrated.
1: Yeah. So so yeah, there might be something to that.
0: I feel like I think that replacement level is. Uh, that it's probably okay. So here's my my guess is that it's actually easy to find guys who are better than replacement level if you're planning for the enti- if you're planning a season, like in the off season, it is, mm-hmm. and it's harder to find replacement levels once the season has begun. Mm. So uh, so if you're if you can count on this guy to throw 440 innings, mm-hmm. and you can make that, and you're you know this in November, and you can make decisions for your season when. Seven hundred players are available, um, and you can invite like you know four dozen of them to spring training. Mm-hmm. Then I would guess that that would be useful. Um, or wait, I might have gotten it backwards. <laughs> yeah. So in that case, you want you actually you want the hundred inning guy. So mm. You figure you can fill the next three hundred innings with something slightly better than replacement level. Uh, whereas if it's uh, midseason. You know like you're probably like it, it there would well, yeah, you know what I'm getting at,
1: yeah, um right,
0: So, I would say I would rather have, i I would say I'd rather have the hundred inning guy like i I think that I would rather have Chris Medlin last year, hmm I don't know,'m mm-hmm. not sure. It's close i I would rather have Chris Medlin last year than most pitchers, but I guess he wasn't well, I don't know what was, I don't know what his warp was, but Chris Medlin last year was pretty phenomenal,
1: yes. Good question.
0: This is a good question.
1: Uh, I predict Russell will listen to this and write an article about it. Um, Hope so. Okay, this one is related to the the Tigers' rotation stuff we were just talking about, and I guess it came in actually before we talked about that. John asks, uh, why don't more teams utilize their starters' scheduled bullpen sessions in actual games? Uh, Scherzer is pitching in the eighth inning of Game Four right now. That's in this email. It seems like a logical way to get 30 more innings out of your best pitchers each season, while also potentially freeing up a roster spot that wouldn't necessarily need to be used on another bullpen arm. Uh, so that's that's related to what we've been talking about, and that does seem like something that teams could could kind of leverage a little more, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, it it used to be used to be done more often, I believe.
0: Will Carroll answered this in the chat about maybe seven years ago.
1: <laughs>
0: <His answer laughs> You're never going to find the answer.
1: Can you, yeah, I, I don't remember. Can you tell me? I don't
0: remember it. I, I think, as I recall, the answer had something to do with the fact that throwing a bullpen is just not the same stress as throwing in an inning. Well, that's true. Uh, throwing, throwing in the majors, and it you can't just swap them out and think that it's the same effect.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that's true. Um, but I don't know, like...
0: The other thing is that guys, a lot of times, I mean, I don't know that they have to, do this, but a lot of throw day, a lot of guys throw days are before the game, so mm. like, well, I, I guess that it wouldn't really matter though. I, I I know that there have been instances where, um, like, a manager has been asked why he didn't go to his um, his starter in the eighth inning, uh, if it was his throw day in the postseason. The manager has said, well, he, he actually did his bullpen before the game, so he'd already done it, but. Um, Maybe that wouldn't. I mean, if if you wanted to make this a strategy, then you just wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. You'd have them either throw in the you know in the game, or you'd have them throw right after the game. Maybe they don't want to. Maybe they don't want to do their bullpen at eleven o'clock at night. Why would they want to do their bullpen at eleven o'clock at night?
1: Uh, they might. Well, I guess they could it. do
0: it during the game. They could do it during like the seventh inning, and if they're not mm-hmm. needed in the seventh inning, they could just do it anyway.
1: Mm-hmm. And you could put some strict pitch limit on them if you thought that that it's more stressful than a bullpen which i'm sure it is you say well you leave them until they allow their first base runner or just leave them into face 3 batters no matter what happens with those 3 batters or you know something like that where you could minimize the amount of stress and, and still get a few extra outs out of them doesn't seem like All a, right, so a 10 bad years idea r- yeah
0: 10 years from now is it happening or is it not happening
1: uh <laughs> i feel like there's there is going to be some some bounce back in in reliever innings totals. I I think I it could I could be completely wrong about that because the trend has been in the opposite direction for for decades now. Relievers pitching fewer and fewer innings and just having more and more of them. I, I'd like to think that it's getting to a point where enough people are talking about how little sense that makes. And we we talked about Kimbrel the other day, and maybe that will influence how managers use their you know closers. If there's a, a lot of backlash every time they don't bring them in in a crucial situation because they can only pitch one inning, I'd like to think that that the industry will realize that it's gone too far. If it has, which I guess you could argue that it hasn't, because strikeouts keep going up, and that seems somewhat related to the, the use of relievers and the specialization of, in the bullpen, but uh, this is a long-winded way of saying that I think I think someone will try it. Yeah, I don't think it'll be something every team does as a matter of course, but I think there will be teams that that do it some semi-regularly at some point in the next decade.
0: I think it's so obvious that the fact that it's not being done suggests that it won't be done i mean i go back to this a lot in my life but like i watched that movie 127 hours mm-hmm. where the guy gets his arm caught in the rock and has to cut it off mm-hmm. and the entire time i was watching it my brain kept going oh come on he could he could get it out <laughs> and i had to then immediately remind myself no he can't if he could he would like he has the incentives are there for him to to take his arm out so the fact that he is not is all the evidence i need that he can't like even though i can't imagine why it would be so hard to move that rock mm-hmm. it is it is a it is a verified fact that it is impossible to move that rock because he cut his arm up and i feel like this is just not like it is not a clever idea <laughs> like we've all thought this <laughs> we every team knows this is a possibility nobody's doing it, you know, nobody's even trying it. So I would say that that answers the question. However, that assumes that pitcher usage stays the same overall. I think if you see starters move down to, say, five innings being the norm, which I could see happening within 10 or 15 years, if a pitcher is only throwing five innings for the purposes of, uh, you know, not letting the lineup see him three times uh, Mm -hmm. or more um, and, you know, just capitalizing on the strength of relievers, in general, um, hard throwing relievers in general. I, I could see if, if starters were only going five innings then it makes it makes it a lot easier to imagine them coming in on their throw day and throwing two. Mm
1: hmm. Uh,
0: okay. That, that's my answer. I yeah. I have to go Ben.
1: <laughs> you do. Um okay.
0: Yeah, I gotta I gotta move. Bear coming? I can't I I actually can't hear you.
1: There's a bear coming. Are you still there? I'm still Can here. Can you hear me? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is, uh, is there, Ben? I'm here. I'm here.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, you're not. <laughs> I'm here. I actually hear you like the voice of God every once in a while echoing here, here, here. <laughs> and that is the extent of what I hear. This is It has gotten pretty bad in the last few minutes.
1: Okay, then we will cut this short, and you can okay <laughs> go back to to nature. Uh, so did you
0: hear me saying? Do you hear me?
1: Yes, because that's it embarrassing. Was good, good podcasting. Yeah, I heard. Oh, I heard no. that. <laughs> I could edit that out, but I probably won't. Um, okay, so then we'll we'll call it quits here. Uh, we'll be back next week with more shows. Send us emails at podcast at baseballperspectus.com uh, rate and review us on iTunes and subscribe to us and join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group effectively wild and enjoy playoff baseball over the weekend. We'll be back on Monday.